0: Uh, series with Justin, so let's open our hearts this morning and hear what God's got for us. I would also say that Noah will also point out to you when you sing the wrong lyrics, because um, that's what happened there. He came over to me, he said, Dad, I heard you sing the wrong words, and I said, thanks. I sang we're going from life to death, and that's not what we want to do, and he heard it, so all right, all right, and he will point it out. Anyway. It is good to be with you this morning, and it's good to have some laughs and to see some smiles and have some joy together. Um, I was actually, Jeremy and I went to a meeting yesterday afternoon, an area Kentucky vineyard pastors meeting. It sounds like a big thing, but there's really only like five of us. <clears throat> so uh, I was at that, and one of the things we went around was like, what, we're ch- we were sharing, what are your biggest things that you're celebrating right now? What are your biggest frustrations right now? And I said, my frustration was, we can't get healthy in this church. Uh, it's like, we got sickness here and sickness there, and it's like, you know what? I'm glad to see people here this morning, and it, like, we're just moving in the right di- direction, so that is exciting to see. Um, I'm glad we sang Angels We Have Heard on High uh, because that really has to do with the scripture that we're going to get to this morning. This idea of good news, of great joy. We're going to talk about the shepherds and the message that they got. Um, And so that comes from Luke chapter 2, which is the most well-known Christmas story. It's the one we read all the time. Our family, before we open presents, we read the Christmas story, and that's the one we read, right? Luke 2. It's the one that starts out, uh, you know, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that everybody, uh, he wanted to take a census. I don't know how it goes, but um, he's gonna take a census. And so Mary and Joseph go back to their hometown, Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem, his family's town, so that they can be counted and all those kinds of things, right? Um, I saw this meme, This week, you probably saw it too if you're on social media at all. Uh, This is how the silent night began. Don't be mad. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. Talk to me, Mary. Mary? Mary? I'm fine. That's how the silent night began. Amen, right? My wife doesn't even say I'm fine. If I get the, what's wrong? I say, what's wrong? And I get the raised eyebrows and the head shake. That means it's not fine, but she's not talking about it right now, right? So uh, anyway, it's fun, fun little meme. So we're going to talk about uh, after Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem, um, but that's the scene, right? John the Baptist has been born, Mary already visited Elizabeth and went home, and now Mary and Joseph are coming back to Bethlehem to, to uh, register for this census, and the time has come for the baby to be born. It just miraculously happened that way, right? Um, because that fits with all of the, or with the, the prophecies that he would be from Bethlehem, the Messiah would come from Bethlehem and all that stuff, right? So, <clears throat> baby registrations? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, verse, so in verse six, uh, it says uh, of chapter two, we're not gonna read it yet, but it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to a firstborn son or firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available, right? We know that story. Um, And I would say as I read this, because we're just going to jump right to the shepherds, don't like, do the glazed eye thing where you're like, okay, I know this scripture. We were at a basketball game yesterday and I heard this scripture read three times, I think, because at halftime they do a little devotional and this was a scripture and I tuned out, honestly, right? Um, Because I had read it a bunch already this week. Don't do that. Don't be like me, all right? Um, So Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight, listen with, uh, with new ears, okay? All right, Luke chapter two, verse eight. It says, in the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Right, there's our key verse for this whole series. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels had departed from them into heaven... The shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed about the things which were told them by the shepherd, yeah, which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all eternity. <laughs> That's not what it says. Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just has been told them. I don't know why I said eternity there. Um, so the shepherds are a favorite of mine in this, in this whole scene, uh, especially in kids' Christmas plays, right? Because the shepherds, uh, are usually mischievous little boys who are wearing their parents' bath robes, have towels strapped to their head some way, and they're carrying sticks, which is not a good thing to give mischievous little boys who are gonna be in front of a group of people and you want them to do something and not poke one another, right? Um, and that's what ends up happening. So you can see that scene, right? I, I was reminded this week of The Greatest Christmas Pageant Ever, um, that book, movie, um, it's great. Uh, I. I hear they're doing the play up at Frankfurt High. I think they're doing it, so go see it. Um, should be pretty good. Um, but these shepherds, what I, I love that your Christmas play is not, is not complete if you don't have the shepherds in it, right? And I love, even more than that, that this thing that God is doing, like the, in the scope of things in, in history, that the Christmas story is not complete without the shepherds, that God does this thing. He brings the good news of great joy for all people. And for me, the shepherds embody that. Um, and, and for a lot of us, I think they're very symbolic um, in our life experience and what they experienced. And, that they're, uh, and so I think it's really important that they're included in this. Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Who are these guys? Um, why is it that they're included? Why is it important that they're included? Um, what's God saying to us through this picture? Last week, we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth, right? And, and we kind of honed in on the idea that Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't look like outsiders, and yet they probably felt like it, okay? And how we can identify with that experience, that there's a lot of us who don't look like we're on the outside of things, um, and yet there is something in our experience in our life that makes us feel that way, even if it doesn't look like that to everybody else, right? And, um, and so God is saying in this thing to them, you are not overlooked, you are not forgotten, there is not something uniquely wrong with you that keeps you from me. And um, this is great news, good news of great joy for you too, this Messiah, this Savior being born Um, So we're gonna look at the shepherds and we're gonna ask those same questions. Um, What is about them? Um, We don't know anything about the specific guys, right? But we know them as a group of shepherds. And we know that's, I mean, that's what we know about them is their job, was their livelihood. And shepherds in this time, they were a necessary part of the community. They were a necessary part of the society. Sheep were integral into most aspects of life in this culture, right? I mean, you've got the wool, of course, we're gonna make clothes, you got wool, you've got the, the meat from sheep, they were butchered, they were eaten, it's a pretty, pretty staple food, um, even to this day for that area uh, of the world. Um, but beyond that, sheep were a critical part of Jewish religious life. They were a critical part of the religious culture, they were used for worship, for the sacrifices that were made on behalf of the people as they related to God. There was this, this like in, in, in inseparable kind of a thing that the people of, uh, of Israel, that the Jewish people had with their identity and, and sheep, right? They were, they were connected. This idea of, of sheep and shepherds go all the way back to Abraham, right? Abraham's offering a sacrifice, his son Isaac, and God says, nope and he provides a ram, right? a sheep, a male sheep. Um, King David was a shepherd before when he was a young, he was a shepherd, he was out in the fields taking care of sheep. See this identity thing happening? Um, Psalm 23, David writing, and the Lord is my shepherd. That imagery, the prophetic writings about the Messiah being led like a lamb to the slaughter. So this idea of sheep, it is integral to their life and to their understanding of relationship with God and all of that. right? The Jewish people knew sheep, culturally and practically. And so with sheep being so important and critical in that society, you would think that the caretakers of the sheep and that the people who provided these sheep would be, that that would be an esteemed position, a valued position in society. Um, But that's just not the case. It's, It's just not, they were not. Um, Of any kind of esteemed value in society. The work was dirty, right? Um, Scripture says that these shepherds in particular were out watching their sheep at night. We know that was common. How often do you watch sheep at night? Every night. (laughs) Every night. Right, um, because you're protecting them from wild animals. You're protecting them from uh, 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 thieves, robbers, who are going to come and take that for themselves and, and, and use that all for themselves. Right, So you've got to protect the sheep at night, every night. It's not a night off. Now, I don't know. They might have had some sort of rotational system where they would you know, take shifts and all that kind of stuff, but these shepherds are out in the field at night. Somebody has to keep an eye on them. Somebody has to physically Be with them. So that means living out in the fields for extended periods of time. How does that affect the rest of your life? Pretty significantly, right? Um, If you're gonna be out in the field at night or during the day, if you're gonna be out with the sheep, you're eating and you're sleeping with the sheep, which means you're not eating and sleeping with people, right? And Sorry, I don't mean that like... You're not gonna be in the presence of other people except for other shepherds right? You're going to be with the sheep. So socially, there's a pretty specific impact this is going to have on their lives for them. They didn't go home to families at night. They left their families and went out into the fields. If you're living life out in the fields, that's not a very clean situation, right? You ever go camping, especially with little people? It's amazing how much dirt collects in one day outside of your house, right? When you don't have a shower right there or a bath right there to put them in. Um, it's dirty, it's a dirty situation. So being a shepherd meant that because of all, because of those things socially, you were not in any sort of an elite position um, in society. I don't think they were outcasts, right? Um, but I think of it a little bit like, a, like trying to think of it like an, uh, an equal, right, metaphor for life today thought of like a plumber or a janitor, right? Um, Generally, those are not glamorous lifestyles and yet they are essential to how we live life, right? Um, People like plumbers and janitors and housekeepers and garbage collectors, those positions are not glamorous in any way. They do not just by the the nature of them, there's kind of a, a little bit of a stigma that might come with it, right? Um, And they're often overlooked positions until there's a problem. Until you realize how dirty your school is because your janitor quit, you kind of overlook the fact that they're they're there every single night cleaning, wiping down, sweeping, mopping, doing all that stuff, right? Until your septic tank backs up, you don't realize how important a plumber is or somebody who can pump that tank, right? So it's a largely overlooked kind of um, situation. I had a professor who always had these catchy sayings that he tried to like instill in us so that we would learn these things that he thought were important. And one of the things that he would say um, was that the most important person in your organization is the person who cleans the toilets. The most important person in your organization is the person who cleans the toilets. And what he was getting at is like the point that, these people in your organizations with these jobs, they're not, they don't have titles, they're not glamorous positions, and yet, if you try to function without them, you're gonna find out very quickly how important they are. Right? It's gonna come back. Shepherds were critical for this society. They were critical for this culture, and yet, they were mostly overlooked. As far as the cultural picture Even physically, the job of being a shepherd took you out of the sight of most people, right? You're outside grazing your sheep. You're outside the city, outside the walls where there's lots of big open space and you can graze your sheep and and do that kind of thing because you can't do that in town. So you're outside of most people's experience, daily experience. Um, It's kind of like Dirty Jobs. You ever watch that show with Mike Rowe? It's a great show. He goes around and he like does the jobs that nobody wants to do or that we don't really think about that often, that those positions that are overlooked, um, the shepherds, it's a dirty job, right? They're doing a task that's necessary for everyone else to be able to live their lifestyle that they want, but nobody's really paying attention to what it requires to, to be a shepherd. It's, it's like a, a background function, right? Not really outcasts, not really outsiders, but the course of their life has them in a position of not really being noticed, not really being thought of as important or significant in the minds of most people. I think there's a lot of people like that, right? There's a lot of people that exist in a reality of their life of not being seen as important, not being seen as valuable, not being um, valued for who they are and what they do, um, there's a lot of people in that situation. That's why I think these guys are symbols for most of us, for the average Joes, right? Compare these guys to Zechariah that we talked about last week. At least on the outside, Zachariah had a position, right? He was in the, the religious culture. He had a title. He was a priest. He was the guy going in to offer the incense, um, that's important but when the savior of the world is born and don't don't miss that title the savior of the world that means for all time when the savior of the world is born who gets the news first it's not politicians It's not the religious elite. It's not a public figure of any sort. It's not somebody who had any kind of influence at all. It's the shepherds, it's the dirty jobs people. It's just the regular old Joes who are normally not thought about in everyday life, right? What's that about? What's God trying to show us with that? Because he didn't have to do it in this order, right? He didn't have to, but it's what he chose. And when we look at how all of this came about, the angel shows up in this situation. And when the angel shows up, it says that the shepherds are terribly afraid. And I say, as they should be, right? We have an entire season to think about this night. We skip over other holidays. Thanksgiving, poor Thanksgiving. Right after Halloween, Christmas trees go up. Boom, we're thinking about this, right? Months ahead of time. These shepherds had, it was, no, there was nothing, right? This was their normal day. They were watching their sheep. This is what they did. So there's no anticipation about anything happening that night. No anticipation about anything coming. It was the norm, except they were just trying to keep their sheep alive. And then all of a sudden it says, the glory of the Lord Shown around them the glory of the lord think about this what other situations do we know about the glory of the lord moses being on the mountain he had to cover his face after he left the presence of god because the glory was still on him shining right uh the transfiguration shining around them jesus up on the mount and he's walking around with with elijah and uh who else i don't remember um On the mountain, right, Moses, yes. On the mountain, transfiguration, shining, right? Can't hardly look at him. Elijah comes to the mouth of the cave and he puts his cloak over his face because the presence of the Lord is there. The glory of the Lord is there, right? It's bright. So imagine being in a field at night, doing your thing, like you do every other night. Your eyes are adjusted to the starlight, maybe the moon, and all of a sudden, boom, brighter than the sun. They're afraid, right? <laughs> I would be afraid, as they should be. They are afraid. And the angel says, don't be afraid, which I'm sure they immediately relaxed and were peaceful, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> There's adrenaline pumping, right? There is, there is, they're hiding, they're still, it's the glory of the Lord. They can't open their eyes to see it. Maybe, I don't know. This is how I'm imagining it, right? The adrenaline's pumping. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Who's attacking us? Where's my sheep? Run for your life. Do I stay here? Do I go? What all of those, confu- all, it's confusion. I imagine it as, as a, a con- very confusing situation. And yet I also imagine there's, there's a certain amount of peace because the presence of God is there, right? So what's going through their heads? The angel of the Lord says, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people for today a savior has been born for you. Christ the Lord. A savior? What what are we talking about? It's completely out of context. It's like seeing somebody in Walmart that you only ever see at church. It's like you can pass them by without even noticing because it's just a different context, right? Right? Do it all the time. A savior, what are we talking about? Take a second, process it. The Messiah, Christ the Lord. Why are you here? (laughs) Why wouldn't you be at the temple? Why wouldn't you be telling the high priest? Why wouldn't you be telling the king? Why wouldn't you be telling somebody that can tell somebody about this thing? Why here, why us? Why the overlooked, right? We have no influence. Nobody thinks about us. And the angel says, and this will be a sign for you. I bring you good news, glad tidings of great joy that will be for all the people, and this will be a sign for you. A sign for who? For them, the shepherds. This will be a sign for you. See, this idea... The shepherds are are given the sign. I've always heard that. I've always read that in hearing the story read and glossing over it and all those things. I've always heard that statement as like, how will we know we're in the right place? Well, this will be a sign for you. How will we know we're, we're, how, how do we know that this is the right newborn baby? Well, this will be a sign. It'll indicate for you that you found the right baby. That will be your sign. But that word sign is a very specific word. It's like a miraculous event that points to something, okay? You ask the Lord for a sign. God, should I take this job or not? I need a sign. God, give me something that is out of the ordinary that I will know that this is the thing. Gideon asked for a sign, right? Twice. Make the fleece dry and the ground wet, make the, ground, or the, the fleece wet and the ground dry, right? I need a sign, Lord. I need, I need a sign. The angel, that's the word. The angel said, this will be a sign for you. It's very specific. Says to these shepherds, today in Bethlehem, you have been, uh, uh, there has been born for you a savior. For me? For me? Yes, and this will be a sign for you. A miracle from God so that you will know. A sign, a miracle from God that I will know What? that this is the right child, that I arrived at the right house, you don't need a miracle for that, right? You don't need a sign for that. But if you're a shepherd whose life experience is to be overlooked, to be not thought of, and you have an angel shows up and says that God has done this amazing thing for all people you might need a sign, you might need a miracle to believe that that includes you. You might need something to help you believe that this is good news, not just for all people and for all the world, but he's been thinking about you specifically. Not just the good people, not just the religious ones, but to believe that this is for you. You might need a sign to convince you because you're just a shepherd nobody really thinks about us and we just do our thing and we get our, make our living and we go about our business. What kind of a sign does God give them? Is it a star over the stable, over the house? No, that's the Magi who watch the stars, right? Does he give them a rainbow and like at the end of the pot, or there's like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you follow the rainbow and there's the baby Jesus? No. What kind of a sign does he give them? He gives them a sign that is specific to them. The miracle for the shepherds to know that this child is the savior of the world, but is also born as a Messiah for them in particular is that they will find him wrapped in cloths, probably made of wool. That's an assumption on my part. And lying in a livestock feed trough. how do we know this is a savior for us? How are we included in this thing? God gives them a miracle of placing the king of the universe in a thing that is very specific to them and that they are immediately familiar with. It's a miracle that God does this. You understand? This is a sign specific for these shepherds. It's like telling the hotel housekeeper that you will find a baby wrapped in white towels and placed on the cleaning cart. Specific, right? It's like telling uh, the auto mechanic that this will be a sign for you You will find him wrapped in shop rags and placed in the back of a 57 Chevy. That's a sign, isn't it? It's specific to you. It's like telling the dishwasher at Waffle House that you will find him wrapped in dish rags and laying in the washtub. It means something to them, it means something to them. It's so specific as a sign for these shepherds. It's not an accident that the Messiah was born in an animal stable and placed in a livestock feeder and then the first people to be told about it are shepherds whose livelihood it is to be around livestock and who are intimately familiar with these items. This experience for these shepherds is so tailored specifically to them. It's so specifically designed for them. Think about it, how is this a sign for anybody else in the universe? How is it a sign? For everybody else it's weird. The Messiah in a food trough? That doesn't make sense. Why would that be a sign for me? I don't deal with livestock. That would just be weird right? Why is he in a manger? Because God is telling these shepherds, I know you. I see you. You're not overlooked. This is for you. For the shepherds to know that this was a savior who was born for them too. You can't get a better sign than this. Think about what it was like for them to peek around the corner of that stable, the open doorway, whatever it looked like, to peek around and see the king of the universe, the Messiah, in something that they know and that they use every single day. It has to be an absolute wonder for them because they know this is real. They know they're included. They know they're not overlooked. They know this news was for them. They're not just a pawn in this scheme, it's for them. And so once again, God in the coming of the Messiah is saying, I see you, I know you, I haven't forgotten you, I have not overlooked you, you are valuable to me, you are included, you are important. God's not a generalist. He doesn't do one thing and then expect everybody to be able to relate to it. He is specific. He is individualistic. He is personal. He is not far off somewhere that you have to, you would have to sing and to shout and to dance and do drastic things to get his attention. You have his attention. You're what he thinks about all day long. You're what he thought about before this ever existed. He's crazy about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And that's why he's done this for you. You ever thought about the idea that God doesn't need people? He never needed us. He knew the entire course of creation before he ever created the first spark or glimmer of light. And so he knew Adam and Eve. He knew the flood was coming. He knew Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew the crucifixion would be a requirement. He knew he would suffer and be beaten and be bloodied at the hands that he created. So why did he do it if he didn't need us? Because he knew you, because he saw you, because he wanted you. He wanted you to be able to live life delighting in his goodness and his abundance. He wanted you to experience a life lived with him. He wanted to be good and generous and loving and patient. For you. This is what we understand from the shepherds in this story that God was doing it for us. He was doing it for the average, the ordinary, the everyday Joes. It came for you. A Savior has been born for you this day, and this will be a sign for you. He is specific. He is individually involved with you, not just as a people. He cares about you individually. Your experience with him might not look like the person that is sitting next to you, but that's because he's individually involved with you in your personality, in your life, When you feel like you're in a position in life where you are overlooked, where you are unimportant, whether that is financially or culturally or within your family or within the church, you're not. Our God is personal and he's not left you out. And when these shepherds see this baby, this Messiah laying in a manger, they know he's for them. And because they know he's for them, and because they have this specific personal experience, they go out and tell everybody else. They make it known to all, what was told them about them concerning this child. And people are amazed. Everybody is amazed at what they say. Why? Because it's them and it's their story. It's not relaying somebody else something that somebody else told me. It's not telling them about a video that I once saw that had this really cool point and I saw this thing. It's their story. And there ain't nobody that can argue with them that an angel showed up and said, this is gonna be a sign for you. And we went to that baby and that was a sign. That is exactly what happened. You can't argue with that. It was their story and it was their experience to tell. So what about you? Maybe this is a sign specific for you because you felt overlooked, because you felt undervalued, because you felt like you didn't matter and you weren't important. Maybe this is a sign. Maybe you're like, okay, that sounds great, but I'm gonna need a better sign, <laughs> ask for it. Our God is individual and he is specific and he loves you and you are valuable to him, you are important to him. That's what this is all about. I talked with my brother-in-law last uh, yesterday and we were just going back and forth and he's at a really cool place in, in his walk right now. It's very exciting for me. Um, to talk with him about some things. And he was saying, you know, he's, he's heard these messages about Christmas and about the wise men specifically and what the wise men brought to Jesus and they brought their best and they brought gifts and what are you bringing to Jesus? And what is this gift for you or for him? And, and all of these things. And he said, that is so frustrating to me because that misses the total story that this baby is what this story is about. This Messiah, it's not about what the wise men brought to Jesus. It's about the fact that there is the savior of the world laying in the manger and he is for them. He's for them. That's what this story is about. The gospel is not about what you bring to God. The gospel is about what God brought to you. Life for you, right? And I think sometimes we forget it in the hustle and the bustle we forget that this is about God. Listen, I've preached messages, I've heard messages that, you know what? This is not about you. This life's not about you. Guess what? God said, it's about you. I'm giving up everything for you. That's what this is about. And it's only when we understand that in our relationship to our father because of what Jesus did in the cross and in the resurrection that we can ever hope to experience life free enough to not have to be selfish thinking and to be involved in other people's lives. But the first step is to understand that this baby in this manger was a sign for these shepherds who were overlooked and undervalued and that makes me feel at home, right? In life, in a big world where it feels like everything is bigger than us, and I don't even matter, and what would it matter if I wasn't here, would anybody even notice? Guess what? You matter, you're valuable because that baby says so. And what Jesus did on the cross and in the resurrection was for you specifically. And your experience might not be the same as the person next to you, but it's just as good because it's individual, he is a God who loves us individually. I wanna come back up. We're gonna do some more worship. It is, it's refreshing, I guess. Maybe that's not the right word to read the scripture and to recognize that God did something for The entire universe, and yet it was also specifically for me. You don't feel lost in that sea. When you can read and understand that this is is for me, it matters, I matter to him. It's pretty amazing. You don't feel like a pawn in this scheme who is... Uh, where God is moving things and doing things and you're just gonna get used in order for this time. That might might make you feel important for a little bit, but when you start to think about it, it's like, oh, I was only important for that. No, your whole life is important. Your whole life, you are valuable because this whole thing is about relationship with God. You and him having relationship. The idea that, throw this one out there, the idea that we exist to glorify God. That's why God created us, to glorify him. Okay, I get where it goes. I get where it comes from, but he had angels to do that. He still created us. So what that, what's that about? He created us with choice. That's about relationship. That's what the point of our life is, is relationship with a father in heaven who loves us. And he is deserving of all the glory and all the worship we can give him. Absolutely. But he stepped off the throne that said I deserve that and he came as a baby so that we could have that relationship restored in the way that it was designed, right? It's about relationship with our father. Man, to press into that. It's good. It really is. He loves you, he sees you, you're not overlooked, you're not unimportant, you're not invaluable. You are the opposite of all of those things. You are seen, you are known, and you are valuable to him. Priceless, because he gave himself for you, right? Why don't you stand up to your feet? God, we thank you for this great news. This good news of great joy. God, that we are seen and we are heard and we are known and we have been before we ever existed. Before we ever had a thought, before we ever took a breath, we ever had a heartbeat, before we were ever there in our our mother's womb, Lord, you knew us and you saw us and for the joy set before you, you gave yourself up for us because we're your joy. You see us, you know us, you love us And you gave us relationship with you, unhindered, free relationship with you. Lord, you're so good. And it started right here in the manger. And the only reason we have you in a manger is because you wanted to tell some shepherds that you saw them and you knew them. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your abundance thank you for grace thank you for goodness we love you we love you amen